Welcome to Strength for Today's Pastor, conversations with current senior pastors and leaders which will strengthen and help you in your pastoral ministry. And now, here's your host, Bill Holdridge of Poyman Ministries. Welcome to podcast number 143. We're with Pastor Kevin Green. Kevin is the founding pastor of Calvary Chapel in Fort Bragg, California, which happened about 25 years ago. In this episode, we're also going to talk about pastoral ministry a bit, but included with that is a special bonus, which is going to take up most of our time, which is going to be great. We're going to talk about an album the Lord used Kevin to write and produce called The Gospel of John Project. Uh, Kevin texted recently that he and I have known each other for about 30 years. I did the math, and he's right, and I'm amazed by that. Kevin, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. So great to have this uh, happen. So, you know, when someone calls me Pastor Bill, if I know him well, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure they have a sense of humor, I'm going to say something like, well, actually, Pastor wasn't on my birth certificate. <laughs> it's not on there. So it's not really part of my name. Uh, but you were surprised, I know, uh, to be equipped and called as a pastor. You, we've had that conversation in the past. And I've heard you say something to the effect that you were an unlikely candidate to be a senior pastor. T- tell us about that. Well, I er, okay, early on when I was uh, a, a baby Christian, I thought I wanted to be a pastor because it was like the pinnacle of Christianity. I thought that, that, that pastor was the top. But... That lasted about two or three months, and then I was done with it because I started to meet pastors. And I I began to understand that that's really not who I am or what I do, and that God had made me a musician. I'm a musician, and and so I figured, and over the course of some years, God was using me in the music ministry, uh, and so that's what I was going to do. Um, But when the Lord did call me to be a pastor, that's when I did, uh, I guess, realize in a, in a more profound manner that I am not cut out to be a pastor. Maybe that's the way I could put it. In that I looked at pastors as guys who really were organized, had it all together, had a real sense of uh, just maturity. And I don't know that I've ever had a sense of maturity in me ever, but uh the, the greater issue, though, is that I had realized at that point that I'm a very lazy man. I'm a very sloppy man. I'm the kind of guy that has his, his shoes untied and his shirt tail hanging out. And even if I had everything tucked in, I still look like a frump. And so there's a sloppy, lazy man, and God says, I want you to be a pastor. And, and I, in fact, not I want you to be a pastor, I made you to be a pastor. And this is what we've been working on for the last, I think I've been walking with the Lord for um, a mere eight years at the time. And uh, anyway, so I went to Chuck Woolley and I said, uh, Chuck Woolley, who was my pastor in, in Palm Springs, I said, hey, there's a little church, there's a group of 12 people, they want me to come and be their pastor. And he says, go for it. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm, I'm lazy. You, you know, I, I worked for you, sort of. I worked for you. I'm lazy. I'm a slob. I'm scatterbrained. I don't know what I said a minute ago. And he said, that's why I think you ought to go. And I said, well, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. He said, he said, no, really. He said, if you thought you had it all together and God did something, 
and something good happened, you'll think you did it. But if you go knowing who you are and anything good happens, you'll know that God did it. Yeah. And I knew it. I just knew God called me and he called a guy that just did not fit the mold that I think a pastor is yeah. or ought to be. Yeah, that's perfect. And having been to Fort Bragg several times and even spoken at your church and things like that, I I can see the hand of God on on the ministry there in Fort Bragg and some amazing things that I've been able to hear about and and be communicative with you about over the years that have happened yeah. and Crazy. missionaries sending out new new pastors being sent out Crazy. Uh, all the all the above you know and a new building right in the middle of Fort Bragg you know right there yes. a, a, an iconic building in that community yes. <laughs> and and you were able to get it a bowling alley and turn it into a church facility it's it's really a great story it it is and it's totally god and totally god. and i'm certain it's not me right right I remember you coming to Monterey when I was pastoring there, and you did a concert and led worship back in the 90s sometime. I don't remember the year, but I remember you started out playing a, a song by Ray, Ray Charles as Ray Charles. I mean, you sounded like Ray Charles. Do you remember that? Do you remember that icebreaker song you did? Well, well yeah, I remember that. I was, um... <laughs> that was an introduction to Kevin Green. Who is this Kevin Green? I mean, before that, I think I saw you at a lead worship at a graduation ceremony at Calvary Chapel Marietta. Yeah. You know, for the students of the school. Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, that, that thing, having, uh, before I knew the Lord, I was a piano bar guy, and I used to do a lot of voices and stuff. And, and when I, I got saved, I realized what the music was for. And so I decided to take some of that old stuff and, and uh, sanctify the words, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Change the words, make them Jesus' words, but but just I didn't want our con my concerts to be just song. Here's a song. Here's another song. Here's another song. But I wanted them to be fun and entertaining. So through the stories and through the impressions in and all that, so it was fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Well, I, as a worship leader, I've always loved the way you've led worship and your heart for worship. And but recently, as we mentioned earlier, you completed a project that had been in your heart for a while, yeah. and in just three months. The Lord used you to complete 21 songs that connect to each of the 21 chapters of the Gospel of John. So tell us about that project and how did it happen? It was probably about five years ago. I don't remember the exact time. I don't remember the exact moment. It wasn't like this great epiphany. But I just, reading through John, um, and I just thought, you know, it'd be really cool if I were to write a, an entire project through the Gospel of John, you know, one chapter per song or one song per chapter. And um, and I thought, you know, this is this is a great idea. And I so I started kind of working a little bit here on this song and that song. But being a pastor, you know, I'm busy. I'm busy with people. And, and it takes a lot of energy. And pastors, you know this, that, that so much takes so much energy out of you even to study for for one one sermon and then you know I'm doing three a week and I'm putting everything I have into those and so I'm too tired to be writing songs and so over that course of that next four or five years I ended up writing one entire song <laughs> and I said let's see at this rate I'll be 130 <laughs> by 
the timeline. Yeah. So, um, so that's that's how it came about, and I know that it was from the Lord. The idea was from the Lord. Nobody else, nobody else had this idea, or at least that I know of, and and it, it just seemed that I could communicate the truth of the Gospel of John and the glory of the Gospel of John in music, because I know that music is powerful, and 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 so it's just something that I I, I wanted to do. But you know, as you would ask, you know, you know why that project, and then. Um, how did it happen? Well, it happened then, starting in January through uh, March 9th, I think. It, it happened that I wrote the rest of those songs in that three months and recorded them all. And so I would say it had to happen miraculously. I have no idea now. As I look back, I look back totally separated from it. And I wonder how in the world that happened. Because... Um, I remember talking to you beforehand, right? You and I were talking about this and I was telling you about the idea and you said, is three months enough? And I was just like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. I think about David and Goliath, you know, there's <laughs> David. He said, oh, why are you guys worried about this big guy? You know, just go get a couple rocks, you know, I'm going to just twist it, you know, throw the rock, no problem. But I wonder while he was swinging that sling around going, did I really say I'm going to kill this guy? You know what I mean? I can't believe I'm doing this. And, and I think that that's kind of what, what happened with me in the middle of it all. I said, I think I told Bill it would be no problem to write 21 songs in three months. Why did I think that? I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. But God, I love those two words, but God. And it got completed. And still to this, to this moment, I'm raw from it. I'm emotionally raw. I'm beat up from it as I studied and studied and studied, not just just the the word of god but studied musical styles and and listened to a lot of things as those of you who've heard the recording you'll know what i'm talking about but it was just a miracle that it came about oh yes and i i do want to make mention that i worked harder doing that than i worked at anything in my life hmm. and uh it was eight to twelve hours in the studio a day and my wife erin who is amazing she was awesome she <laughs> She was all in and she understood it was for a short time and she not once complained about things that she should have complained about. Hmm. She, you know, I'd, I'd sometimes leave at 3.30 in the morning as I'd wake up, I couldn't sleep because the melody's going through my head mm-hmm. and I'd leave and I'd come home at seven at night hmm. and she just was sweet as anything. I, can, hmm. I mean, she was awesome. And, and I'll tell you what, if I were her, <laughs> but anyway, it was uh, it was amazing how it got done. But uh, anyway, so it took a lot of hours. Yeah, that's cool. You know, uh, when you released the the information about the project to different pastors in emails, you know, it's kind of incremental release, and then finally, you know, the full twenty one chapters or the twenty one songs were done. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to to actually start listening. I wanted to wait for it all to get completed before I started listening. Uh, but I tell you, you know, and I, I, I think I've wrote, written this to you, the way I can tell if I like a song is that it, it moves me emotionally, musically, and lyrically. And, it, you know, I, I just love what it's saying. And I find myself singing it. <laughs> and maybe even learning the lyrics and singing it a cappella without the music accompanying me. And I find myself doing that on a lot of the songs on this record, and and uh, I'm I'm blessed by it. And one of the things I'm thinking about, Kevin, you can comment on this. 
you have a unique position as a songwriter because you are a pastor who studies the Bible and teaches it chapter by chapter, book by book. I mean, you know, compared to somebody who's a musician who's a good, capable songwriter but doesn't have the depth in the Word of God that you have, they're at a great disadvantage. If they tried to do a project like this, they wouldn't be able to do it. They wouldn't be able to see the whole picture. And as you approach a song, writing it for representing that chapter by that song. I I do want to interject here in that uh, I could not have done this 20 years ago. Hmm. It okay. It's 33 years walking with the Lord and with my knowledge of the Word and the things God's done in my heart. That's, I, yeah, I couldn't have done it. Okay. So this is the years. This is the years, yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, what I want to do is I, I thought we could take some clips from some of the songs on the record, and, and you could fill us in. And we're going to do five songs that we've pre-selected. These are a little bit random, uh, a little bit arbitrary, because there are other songs that I would love to have on here as well. Uh, but the first clip that we want to look into is the one from John 13, and the title of the song is The Way Up. And, of course, this is the way we're going to start, because this is a podcast to pastors, and we who are pastors need to learn that the way up is to go down. And that's really what the song is about. It's the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And on this particular song, as I read on the credits on the website, the Gospel of John Project, you did all of the instruments on this particular song, except for the mandolin that was done by Chris Vanover, our brother over in Nashville. <laughs> yep. yep. So that's great. Great that you, know, that you were able to utilize Chris, and he's a wonderful guy. Oh, yeah. So we're going to play the clip, and then I'm going to ask you to come back and, and tell us about it and uh, give us a, a behind-the-scenes uh, listen to or look at the song. Okay, so here we go. We're going to play the clip. On the heels of the latest About who would be the greatest We sat for the Passover feast He said before that the greatest Must first be the least Now it's one thing to say it Quite another to display it We were as lost as could be Stripped down like a slave and then he was washing our feet A silence like thunder had entered the room I waited and wondered just what I should do What kind of savior displays such behavior To lower himself as he did From the riches of glory the servant before me who sits on the ground the last will be first the greatest will serve the way up to the kingdom is down um you know when i studied each of the 
of uh, for each song, I would read commentaries and commentaries and commentaries as if I was going to teach a Bible study. And before I got the angle of which I wanted to write, and I would also listen to many teachers, listen to them, their sermons. I listened to five, six sermons on every one of these songs. And it was Alistair Begg who was uh, saying that, uh, that you know, the, the confusing message that he was giving these disciples is that the way up is down. And I said, all right, Alistair, I'm stealing it, bro. <laughs> and, and I knew at that point that, that we had something so amazing here, and that is that coming from Peter's point of view, it explains to me why it took me four or five different uh, takes when I was singing the vocals on this, when I was singing the chorus. I couldn't get through it without breaking down and weeping. I'm thinking, this is not that much of a weeping song. Why can't I get through this? And I'd have to stop and, and put myself back together and try again. And I think the reason is, is this, is that, you know, God chose Peter. And Peter gets a lot of press so that we can understand that God could choose and use a guy like Peter. Which means that he can choose and use a guy like me. And he can choose and use a guy like you mm -hmm. because Peter really, he's all of us, man. And it's one degree or another. Yeah. And, and so there's Peter telling the story and all Peter is thinking to himself is that, you know, now Jesus is doing something really crazy. He's going way low. Mm -hmm. He's going way down there to the bottom of what we thought was the bottom. Wait till he goes to the cross, right? Because then he would go yeah. way lower. Right. But Peter, in all of his confusion, is just saying, I, you know, I know he's the son of God, so why is he doing this to me? And I think what it did to Peter and what it does to me, it helps me realize how low I'm not. Hmm. Because no matter how low I go, I mean, and, and I'm talking about just general character because we can all have a good low day. <laughs> mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. generally speaking, to be... To, to be a humble servant. Jesus comes in and he washes their feet. Mm -hmm. And and the realization that hits is like, he's the best one here. And he it, it, he's going to the lowest place and uh, doing the lowest things. Mm -hmm. And so, and then Peter, of course, opens his mouth and he's trying to, you know, one of the lines in the song there that you didn't get to yet in the clip, but... Um, you know, and I broke the silence in self-righteous defiance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Peter shows himself in all of that mm -hmm. to be the one who needed to be corrected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And an amazing savior that taught us that, um, you know, that we got to wash one another's feet. Right. And though, with that said, and that's where we as pastors have got to be there, but we have to keep learning it. Yeah. We do. And Jesus, he went low on purpose. It was premeditated, pre-calculated, and he did it on purpose. And likewise, Peter, after that, and after the resurrection and after Pentecost, decided to do the same himself. He went low on purpose. And that's an awesome thing. Yes. Okay, so the next song we're going to go to is the one from John chapter 2, The Wedding of Cana, of course. The song is called Water into Wine, and... You did it in a in a Latin calypso style, didn't you? 
Well, I would I would call it simply cha cha. Cha cha. Okay. That's All a cha right. cha, man. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a it's a wonderful song and uh, and a fun song too. So um, let's go ahead and play the clip. song is i wanted it to be fun i just want it to be and i love uh i love salsa music i love all of that stuff you know south of the border anything south of the border has great music and and so uh i wrote this happy cha-cha because it was a happy moment right i mean this was this was a joyous moment as the what the rabbi said without wine there is no joy and they have this at the wedding and the the wedding itself and i'm getting all the, the glorious imagery of us being the bride and jesus the bridegroom and there's jesus doing the first sign at this wedding that's awesome okay but man him turning the water into wine that's something that that you know we struggle to find out well why that why that and i'm i'm one of those guys that thinks that he was teaching john chapter 1 verse 17 in, you know, at this moment is that, what is it? The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, right? And that's where, if you listen to the words of the song, you see what's happening, that Jesus turns the water and wine, everybody's happy. But then I recall back in Egypt, Moses, when it was judgment time, he turned the water into blood. And Moses representing the law, the law brings death. Yeah, wow. And so... When Jesus comes, he brings grace and truth, which mm. is joy. And he shows mm. So Moses turns the water into blood. Jesus turns it into wine. You want law? You're going to get death. You want Jesus? You're going to get life. And Hallelujah. That, I, I wanted, to, I <laughs> wanted awesome. to just not demonstrate that, not just with the words, but with the music, too. Yeah, it's yeah. just such happy, you know, it's just happy music. By the way, I want to make mention real quick of um, other pastors that played on this project because yeah. Chris Vanover gets it, but Les Beck plays on the project as right. well. He right. plays harmonica like nobody else. Huh. Dwayne Clark, Pastor Dwayne yeah. Clark, has right. played on a right. few of the, the tracks on this. Um, but um, I want to say that on this last one, a uh, uh, brother from our church, uh, Jeff Grant, he played trumpet on Water to Wine. And my buddy, the mayor of El Cajon, Bill Wells, played saxophone on uh, Water to Wine. And wow. that trump that trombone solo was me because trombone was uh, that's my main instrument. <laughs> oh no way! Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> well, it's it's a great song. It's really fun. Thanks. Okay, okay so the next uh, clip that we're gonna do is from John chapter four, Kevin, and it includes the this amazing, beautiful story of Jesus with the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, an outcast a troubled woman with quite a past. And 
your daughter, Sarah, Sarah Thurber, uh, is the singer. You didn't do this, the vocal on this one, and the song is called The Well. It's, it's one of the most beautiful vocal performances that I've ever heard, frankly, and I, and I, felt, <laughs> I felt the woman in the, at the well through her performance. I yeah. mean, it was really, really magical, but the words themselves are so well done, and uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that. But l- first, let's play the clip. First, my daughter is an amazing communicator with her voice, and uh, and just so so blessed that she sang on this. Uh, you, yeah, you got to hear the rest of that song because it's it's a it's just you know the, the song brings us just as it does in John chapter four, where she's just having conversation with Jesus, and she doesn't like some of the conversation, and she gets busted when she wasn't looking to get busted, and uh, she still wants to talk religion, but she don't want to talk about this. She went, but then she finally just breaks down and says, "I found Messiah," and it's it's a wonderful thing because, you know, the words to that song came out of um, real conversations I've had with people. And so many people, they go to that well, whatever it may be, they keep going back to that well. And their life is miserable, but that's the only well they know. That's the Mm. only well they know to drink from. And when confronted with that, they argue. <laughs> they just want to argue. And, you know, why does he, and as the words say, why does he meddle? Why does he pry? Just let me live. Just let me die. You know, leave me alone. You know, she says, you know, I do what I want. I'm hurting no one. Like, I haven't heard those words from people hmm. who are destroying themselves and others. And yet Jesus was just so good with her. Mm-hmm. Just talk to her. And and it's just, uh, and so the song brings me, us through that. And I think that is everybody's song, because it's not just women at the well we deal with, it's men at the well. There's so, is anybody at the well, whatever well they're going to, you know? And, and Jesus so graciously will even meet us at that very well. And 
and uh, show us the the real well. And I, I'm just, uh, that song, really, I will say that that song, that first line of the song came to me about three years ago. Hmm. And it just sat there. And it was, hmm. you know, I'll never learn. I still return to the well that poisoned me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the music, the whole thing, that one little thing. And it's in Les, Les Miserables fashion. Mm-hmm. Have you ever familiar mm-hmm. with Les Miserables? Oh, you know? sure. Yeah. yeah. And so with that, um, I knew it had to be kind of a, like a show tune even, you know, I, I don't know. And, uh, but finally, yeah, in, in February, I sat down with that line and to just put it all together. Wow, and wow. Anyway, so. You know, Kevin, it reminds me of, uh, that song is very evangelistic, but it reminds me of the evangelism that was done back in the day during the Jesus Revolution, you know. There was a lot of speaking directly to the to the hearts of people who were destroying their own lives through the various choices, but there wasn't the finger of blame being right. pointed at the people listening. There was the finger of hope because the answer was always given in the context of pointing out what's wrong with the lifestyles that we've chosen. Mm. And, you know, it's like John Corson loves to say, uh, sin is not bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. It's bad. It's Amen. dangerous, bad stuff for you. It's not. It's toxic. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the next song uh, is uh, from John chapter five. It's called "When the Water Moves." Of course, it's about the healing uh, of the man at the pool of Bethesda. Great way to tell the story. And I loved, loved, loved the way you did the voice of Jesus speaking to the man, do you want to be healed? And then later, uh, take up your bed. <laughs> you know, I just thought that was, that was so awesome. It just, <laughs> it emphasized that voice. And uh, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Take up your bed and walk. So here's the clip. Okay. And then, Kevin, it's going to be fun to hear you talk about this one as well. song is uh is my song that's where the lord found me at the pool of bethesda not literally but just as uh the lord found the samaritan woman at the well so he found me at bethesda and um 
When we read through the Gospel of John, and my hope is that when people listen through this project, is that they're going to get to know two people really well, Jesus and themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, Jesus, of course, approaches this guy who'd been there 38 years um, and asks him that foolish question. Do you want to be healed? Well, of course I want to be healed. What do I look like? I don't want to be healed. I come here every day. They bring me, they drop me off, but nobody, but you know the whole story. And, uh, <laughs> and it makes you think and it makes you realize something that Jesus never asked stupid questions. So we better think about what he asked and why he would ask it. And, and the reason is you well know, maybe, uh, you know, some people don't know this, but, but the problem is that some people really don't want to be healed. And because, you know, with healing comes responsibility. Now, uh, he won't be able to beg. He'll have to go get a job. And, you know, and it's like with, when we are healed and when we're given life, eternal life, then we are called to be responsible citizens. We are called to, uh, you know, pay our bills. We're called to, you know, we're just called to be good people and to love our brothers and sisters, to love our enemies, to forgive. We are, this is responsibility that we get with this new life. And so sometimes we don't really want responsibility, though our life may be miserable, at least it's familiar. And, and if we can work it out with that familiarity and that miserableness, then we'll just, you know, just leave me alone. And so, um, so we can at times have a lot of excuses as to why things aren't better in our lives or why we're not walking with the Lord. And so Jesus asks that question. But so there I was where Jesus found me just, you know, going to that same pool, just like going to that same well and in going to that pool every day and complaining because I'm just not getting enough of that pool or because nobody's putting me in the pool. So now I'm blaming others. And all of this stuff comes together with Jesus just saying, <laughs> like, you want to be healed? And he says, well, I can't be healed. These people won't put me in. He goes, and, and Jesus says, well, basically, Jesus just says, just get up. <laughs> yeah. Get up. Get up. Get up. And so, okay. And he does. And yeah. that's the amazing thing, because that's the way I look at my salvation. I mean, yeah. I seriously, this song is almost autobiographical. Wow. You know, and, you know, as the final verse says, I don't know what came over me. Uh, we all know I'd never walked before, but uh, oh, now I got to get the gift the rest of the words. Oh, no, I don't even know the words of my own song. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I never walked before. Um, I, t- I stood right up and I took a step, um, not crippled by excuses anymore. Oh, wow. And that's that's a life of so many people. Yeah. Who have their, you know, their all their excuses, and uh, and will never walk because they they trust more in their excuses than they do in the power of God, yeah. and and so anyway, says the Lord touched this guy. The Lord touched me, and and I walk with God. Isn't that weird? I mean, That's if you awesome. knew me before, it's really really weirder than you think. I'm connecting the dots, Kevin. So in the fall, blame shifting was introduced, as we know. Adam is blaming everything, and Eve is blaming the devil, and everybody's getting blamed, but themselves. But then in coming to Christ, blame shifting is removed, and personal responsibility is taken. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that explanation. So this next uh, clip isn't really going to be a clip. It's going to be the playing of the whole song. 
and I'm doing that prejudicially because this is my favorite one so far <laughs> on the album. It's called The Glory of the Cross. It's from John chapter 17. And Kevin, I just found it incredible the way the Holy Spirit uh, helped you to write these lyrics and put this together and summarize and amplify that chapter in such a powerful way emphasizing something that doesn't always get emphasized in John 17 and that is the way that the the son was going to glorify the father was through the cross and I love the way you sing it I love the way the when I first heard it the very first time when uh, you the first line is sung and then the additional music comes in I thought oh this is going to be a wonderful song I it was it was amazing. So uh I and I love the the bridge. I guess you call it a bridge. Mm-hmm. How I long for you my father, how I long for you my father, my father. And you can you can feel the pathos, the ethos in the heart of Jesus, you know. I got to know Jesus better through that line. I really did and I got to know That's the awesome. father better. And I got to know the relationship between the father and the son better just from That's that awesome that one line in the song and so i thank you for that that's awesome so we're gonna go ahead and play it. it's about three minutes and 11 seconds long i think and uh <laughs> and play the whole thing and I'm, I'm looking forward to the commentary so here we go father now the time has come time to glorify your son with what we had before the world began Now the world must come to see The worst that man can do to me Is the greatest love that we could give to them I will glorify you With the glory of the cross Gave your words to these few men And I am glorified in them For they received and know where I am from Now they are yours, they are mine Though I leave this world behind Keep them through your name and make them one I will glorify you I will glorify you How I long for you, my Father How seem enough It's now that I declare your love The only place the greatest love is found I will glorify you 
As you had said about uh, the bridge, you see, as I approach that chapter, something something is changing in the in in the whole, you know, the whole story, as as we know now that Jesus is going to go to the cross, and um, and this is a what we might consider a dark moment, uh, and it gets even darker in the next chapter where Peter in all his failure, runs off by himself. And, and so we have this Jesus crying out to the Father in chapter 7 and Peter basically crying out to himself. And, uh, but, but all of this, this, I don't know, heaviness, let's call it a heaviness, begins. And in all that heaviness, as you and I were talking earlier, the, that we see Jesus saying, okay, here we go. We're, we're going we're gonna to go to the cross I'm going to go to the cross now, and uh, you've given me these men. I've taken care of them. I haven't lost any of them. And Lord, I, Father, I want them to be in unity. But as I was reading through it over and over and over again, something hit me, and it was it was relational, you know. And maybe I never think about it or don't think about it often how much Jesus loved his dad, mm. how much of a sacrifice it was for Jesus to spend 33 years. And we see this, the cross, that's the ultimate. But for 33 years, he had to be, you know, as he had emptied himself, as we read in Philippians chapter 2, you know, and, and, and we don't know how these things are done, but had separated himself from the Father. And, and so I just thought Jesus missed his dad. <laughs> he missed the Father so much. And, and my wife and I talk about these things, and God has given me something that I think is a, is a blessing. And sometimes I think it's a curse. And that is this ability to get inside somebody else's skin. And I'm not saying that, you know, in a cosmic thing, you know, I got inside Jesus' skin. And it, no, I'm not, I, and I don't want you to take it there. It's just that I know what it's like to miss people. You know what it's like to miss people. You know what, what it's like, you know, Jesus experienced these things, but for him to be separated from his father for that time, and there was this anticipation in his heart. It's like, I'm going to do that last thing, Father. But then I get to see you again. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I just, and that's what was rushing through me, you know, in the, in the writing of that. And even, you know, musically speaking, I don't want to get into all the, the musical theory and such, but, but there's, a, there's a key change that, that you don't even realize happens at that point. And it, it's a very subtle key change. 
but but in that even the the music kind of brings you somewhere else like you know look we're going to glorify you at the cross you know uh they're going to crucify me it's going to be to their good it's this is you know and may they live in unity all of these things but then the music kind of takes you somewhere else and as the music takes somewhere else he says i i long for you my father Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i want to see you Mm -hmm. i'm going to see you real soon I don't know. It just broke my heart, you know. When I wrote it, it was just broke my heart. Absolutely, and and uh, boy, you know, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, Man. despising its shame. And that has to be a huge chunk of what that joy before yeah. him was all about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for thanks for that commentary on these songs. I'd I'd love to hear the commentary on all twenty one songs, Kevin. Maybe <laughs> maybe we could do another one later on some of the other ones. But uh, you know, you took uh, three months about to do this, and like you said before, the Holy Spirit supernaturally worked in this project to get it done. Um, uh, you you took the time away. You're bored. You're you're was fully supportive. Uh, you were yep. calling a, sab- a, a sabbatical. So basically, it was a working sabbatical. Yeah. Uh, after almost 25 years in Fort Bragg, you were due, in my opinion, for a sabbatical. <laughs> but you, uh, you used that time to do this. So here's my question. Uh, in what ways, because sabbatical means rest and refreshment, right? In what ways were you refreshed uh, from this time away from normal pastoral ministry and duty, I think I think you just answered the question uh, with the question. You're fresh because not doing the normal pastoral duties. I mm-hmm. think I was refreshed in that manner. Although I never worked so hard in my life doing this music, and I couldn't wait to get back to being a pastor again so I could take a break. Right. But uh, but but I was tired you know, with pastoral ministry. And you don't even realize how tired you are sometimes. I'd also taken up a lot of different things, you know, extra things outside in the community. And and as a result, I was just I was just worn out and I was tired. And one morning I was praying uh, before service. And, and I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me because it had nothing to do with my prayer. You ever do that? You ever oh, be yeah. praying oh, about one thing yeah. and the Lord just jumps in there and wants to talk about something else? <laughs> Yeah, he goes off topic at his will. <laughs> he is so off topic sometimes. See, you know, Lord, if you could just stick with me and just stay on task, you know, maybe, my goodness. And but but he just out of nowhere, out of nowhere, he said, "Take three months off and make that recording." Okay. It was that simple. Take three months off, and I, I was so certain that that was the Lord. And uh, anyway, so you were the first guy I called. Remember that? Mm. Yeah. I mm. called you that, I think, a couple days later. Yeah, what an honor. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so, so, so with that said, uh, the sabbatical is important, though, and I, I began to realize something about, about this. It's good. I think a sabbatical is important. I want to encourage pastors to do it. Um, I did it wrong, okay, I mean, because I worked so hard on my sabbatical, although it was a sabbatical from the duties of being a pastor. Now, I was refreshed in this way. It was this is a very left-handed twisted way, okay? But I I missed teaching. I missed teaching the word of God. I missed I missed my people. I 
I, I loved, I didn't know how much I loved spending time with them hmm. and, and how relational I am. I would say I'm probably, um, yeah, maybe relational to a fault. And uh, I love, I just love hanging with them. And that's, that's that. And so here, not spending that time with them was really hard on me. And um, to get back to that, I was, and people are talking, man, listen to Kevin teach now. He's on fire. You know, they're, I mean, <laughs> these guys, seriously, say, man, we're going to put you on sabbatical more often. I, but I am on fire, man. We're teaching John right now. After Oh, my. Yeah. See, I've taught through the Gospel of John verse by verse three times now in 25 years. And so I then wallowed in it for three months and now teaching it verse by verse again on Sunday mornings. And I tell you what, I'm getting, I'm getting tore up and, and I feel like, you know, well, just from the things I'm hearing from the fellowship, like they're getting tore up. So I think a sabbatical. Yes. We got to take a step back and shake it out a little bit. Yeah. You know what? I, I really rejoice in all of that. And I rejoice in the fact that you had a lot of help because people really saw this as, as important for you and they wanted it to happen. I mean, your family, like Aaron and, and your daughters who sang on the project and, and, and the pastors yeah. that contributed musically and those that, that bought into this whole thing and, and the guys that came and took the pulpit while you were gone and and all of that, they once they, I mean, they saw it. They were part of it, and and it's it's a wonderful thing. And I think that's one of the fears of of pastors of against taking a sabbatical, is they're they're not quite sure that the people are going to be for it, hmm. that they're going to be supportive of it. Oh man! But you know what? I did a little Facebook blurb recently about this, explaining what sabbatical relief ministry is, which I'm yeah, doing one right now. I saw that right? And. Uh, the feedback from it was from people that weren't pastors and they were saying, we really see how much pastors need this. So there's a whole lot more support out there for it than we actually even realize. And, you know, a church yeah. can afford it if they plan for it. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think, you know, in that, I think the enemy just sits on your shoulder and says, you better not take this off because they won't, you know, right. they're not going to like this. Right. And it's like, yeah, but w- what more are you giving them? If you don't have, you know, you're running out. And right, right. You're not. And, we're not uh, doing anybody any favor by, by depleting. You know. Right. Right. Okay. Well, Kevin, I'm, I want to give you a couple minutes. We call this the two minute drill in these podcast episodes, and I know you've got so much on your heart that you'd love to encourage anybody with. But uh, I'd like you to aim this at pastors, if you will. Uh, just share. Uh, anything you'd like to share that's on your heart to to senior or lead pastors? Um, just a few thoughts, all related. Number one, I think about Paul telling Timothy to stir up the gift that God has given you. I think for me, over the course of some time, I I got complacent even in the use of the gifts God gave me. But to rejoice that God has given me any gifts at all, and, and just to stand up and use them. And with that said, here's the second thing. So, so get back to your gifts, number one. Get back to them and use them and do them. Um, but secondly, stay within, within yourself. We watch sports and, and the announcer is always talking about, well, this guy's a really good player because he plays within himself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what in the world is that supposed to mean? Well, that means he's not trying to do beyond what he knows he is able to do. 
you know, I, I'm not trying to do the gifts of other people, though, you know, there are times we have to fill in and do some things. And, you know, certainly we do those, but I'm done bothering myself over the fact that I just don't have certain gifts. Just do what you do. And if everybody did that in the church, my goodness, it would, wouldn't that be so biblical? You know, I mean, it would be so amazing if we just do what we do. But, you know, and again, to the glory of God. And with that, the other thing I wanted to say to the, the um, pastors of small churches, because, um, you know, I'm a pastor of a small church in a small community. And I want to encourage you that God gave you your gifts for those people there those people who are in the chairs and not even the empty chairs as we sometimes you look out and I'm wondering, my goodness, where did everybody go? And what, what that means is that the people that are there, you're calling them chopped liver. Mm. You know, God's called you to minister to those who are there and, and to be faithful in those little things. And, and I was thinking we could get all uh, uh, Zechariah chapter four, verse 10, you know, for who's despised the day of small things and that, that, you know, look, do this little thing. And what we do usually is we take that little thing and we think like that God's going to take these little things and make something big of it. So I'll just be faithful. These small things of God to give me bigger things. Well, you know, those bigger things may not, may not manifest until we're with him. Those bigger things may not manifest until others afterward are taking it as, as we may be planting seeds, somebody else could be getting that fruit. And so, so with that said, I, I want to say that, uh, that to be faithful in what you do for the people that are there in those little ways, because the more I have done this 25 years now, I think I'm learning that those little things are actually the big things. Mm, those well are the big things. So just be faithful in those little things every day. Good word. Good word. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks. So I want to give a little commercial, not really a commercial because uh, it's more like a great announcement. So just resources. If you want to uh, connect with Kevin's teaching, go to ccfortbragg.com and the current series on the Gospel of John. I think they try to keep it updated. Mm -hmm. That would be really fun to listen to. And then for the Gospel of John Project, go to the Gospel of John Project. Just spell it out with no spaces or anything. Thegospelofjohnproject.com. And Kevin has graciously allowed this album to be listened to for free. And you'll find the lyrics on that website as well as the credits and so on. It's just uh, full of information. So very helpful. Uh, and then, you know... Just a little word of encouragement. Go ahead and buy the album. <laughs> and so <laughs> go to iTunes and, and uh, to the iTunes store and pick it up. And, uh, mm. you know, uh, that would be a blessing as well. And, and Kevin is actually willing to send out CDs. So if you'd like a CD, uh, if anybody doesn't know what those are, ask, uh, ask your uncle or something. <laughs> but uh, just send the, the request. Contact Kevin at... PKInFortBragg.com, the letter P, letter K, InFortBragg at gmail.com. PKInFortBragg at gmail.com. That's Kevin's email address. And all this stuff is going to be in the show notes as well. But Kevin, just as we close and wrap up, thanks so much for the album. Thanks for your ministry. Thanks for your friendship. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, please be sure to tell your wife, Erin, that she's a blessing. <laughs> I will. She is a blessing. And thank you, Bill, for always being so nice to me from the first time I met you 30 years ago. And just always always being an encouragement. And uh, and thanks for liking this, this recording. And uh, I just, I hope it gets out there. Okay. Amen. Thanks, man. All right. God bless. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Pointman Ministries. You can find us at pointmanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or comment, or if you have a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. May the Lord bless you as you serve Him, His pastors, and His church. Thank you.